TJ, who do you hope is listening to this podcast episode? Oh, my girlfriend, but honestly, anyone but me. I hate the sound of my own voice. Welcome to the Tyler Loops Out of the Loop podcast. I'm your host, Jane Neal. And it probably made you afraid of dogs. <laughs> oh, no, she didn't. <laughs> Sir, I heard you say grassy ass. Tyler will always be my home. Oh, that's Let's begin. My guest today is TJ Rankin. TJ has lived in the Tyler area all of his life. When he isn't serving the patrons of Tyler Public Library, he's either reading ghost stories or watching a good movie with his girlfriend. TJ, welcome to Out of the Loop Podcast. Thank you for having me. We're so glad you're here. Let's take a listen to your story told during season three of Out of the Loop, July of 2020. So everyone has a place, right? It's that special kind of place that's just yours, not home or work. You can have you can have one or several. It doesn't matter, just so long as it matters to you. Um, the Foundry is one of my places. It's that it's a coffee shop just a couple of blocks from where we're filming today. I did lose it for a time, though. You lose a lot of things whenever your fiancé tells you that they've been with someone else. We were together for three years, starting in 2015. Uh, We were inseparable, always at each other's houses, or at Ground Zero Comics on Fifth Street, or at the movies, or at, yes, at the Foundry, because then it was our place. We didn't do anything significant like debate philosophy or uh, solve world peace. We just drank coffee and were us. But then 2017 came and it was hard on both of us. It's like 2020, 2017 for both of us separately and as a couple. In January, she decided to move to Florida for her job and that was really hard. It was tough, but I thought we were tougher. (laughs) That's just a drop in the bucket, I told myself again and again. January 15th, 2018, 1 a.m. in the morning, I called her. Do you still love me? Tell me, is there someone else? It's him, isn't it? I don't, I don't want to know, but I need to know, have you been with him? How many times? What do you mean you don't know? By the end of the month, I want the ring back. After that, I lost so much. Well, the material things, I I got got those back. Although I should have asked for the PlayStation 4 back. I did get the ring back though. I sold it, paid it off, and I have a really good credit now, thank you. But the things that mattered, I lost that. Three years of memories poisoned, a second family relegated to strangers, uh, self-confidence, energy, rational thinking, gone. Add to this big pile of things that I lost was the foundry. For two weeks after we broke up, two weeks that felt like 
two years, I wouldn't step foot in that shop. You know, a lot of people describe their exes as skeletons in the closet. I like to imagine she was more like a ghost, always there on the periphery of my vision, lingering on. I was always looking over my shoulder, even though she was hundreds of miles away, wondering if she was there. Uh, her name was popping up everywhere in books and movies. Uh, a mom would get onto her kid; the kid would have her name. Finally, the day came. <laughs> no coffee, no sleep. To be a rational, functioning human, I had to go to the foundry.、Um, now I work at the library. That's just so the shop is just a block away, right past the Fair Park parking garage. <laughs> It might as well been a block through hell the way I acted. You <laughs> have never seen a grown man more afraid of a coffee shop. Well, anyway, I went, and after that, it was a le- little easier to go, but only a little.、Um, I, every time I would go in, I would plan my exit strategy. I would do a sweep of an area.、Uh, there's a hipster there, a college student there. Oh, there's the one Bible study in every single Tyler coffee shop, but never her. And、oh, I would sigh with relief. But you know what the worst part was? Was that little pang of disappointment that I didn't see her? You know, the worst part of being cheated on was still being in love with someone you absolutely hated. Two months after that, my friend invited me to attend Bethel downtown. That's the church right above the coffee shop. I started attending there regularly, and then I started attending a men's Bible study at the Crackadon there. In many ways, that cream-colored building was now mine more than ever. But In other ways, it was still haunted by the pasts. Still checking those exits. Still looking up every time the door opens. Still looking over my shoulder. A month after things fell apart, I started seeing a counselor.、Uh, one session, the fear of running into my ex came up, and she decided to indulge me. So, what would you do if you did run into her?、Uh, I would leave. You know what? I would let her win, then have to deal with her. You would let her win. Win what? I don't know the the territory, the the satisfaction of taking the foundry from me. TJ, if you think the right thing to do for yourself is to leave, then absolutely leave. But I want you to make one thing very clear: that's not losing. She's the one who left. Tyler here is your town. Bethel, that is your church. The Foundry, that is your coffee shop. Whenever she walks into the door, she is not taking anything because it is already yours. I had to stew on that one for a couple of months, but you know what? She was right. There are a myriad of reasons why people break up, but in my opinion, oof, cheating is probably one of the worst. I'm guessing probably some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. It destroys you. It、uh, it's embarrassing. It takes so much from you. You gain a lot of new things in time. For instance, a beautiful blue-eyed girlfriend who I met at the foundry, by the way. But you do get some of the old things back too. They don't have to stay lost. You can let the ghosts continue to haunt you and frighten you away, or you can let the ghosts fade. 
I'm not trying to diminish the pain of being cheated on, but the pain does recede if you let it. And you can take back what was always yours to begin with. TJ, I love this story, and I must say that your theater background and perhaps your <laughs> flair for drama really made it come alive. <laughs> yes, I am. Um, my mom can attest to the fact I have been a dramatic child um, since a very young age. So. Well, it's profiting now, and we're all benefiting from it. Yes, thank you. Something I love about your story is how relatable it is. So there are many people who have gone through a breakup. Many people who have suffered through similar hauntings from people or events in their past. And many people are trying their darndest to cope with anxiety. Of those three, which did you have in mind for your audience to be the relatable piece? Good question. I really think specifically for this one, for other ones, I emphasized anxiety. For this one, I was really more focused on the very specific idea of having a partner um, cheat on you and infidelity. I remember very specifically when I was in the height, just a few weeks right after it happened, one of my friends was being very sweet and trying to relate to me. And she had lost her mother, which is a very, in its own way, a very specific form of pain and probably even worse or not worse, but it, it different from what I was feeling. Right. And I was thankful of her trying to console me and trying to relate to me in that way. But it, I, there was sort of this disconnect between what she was saying and what I was saying. And then I remember my uh, pastor at the time, his daughter had also been cheated on. And she just asked me, how are you doing? And I said, I'm doing horrible. And she said, I know exactly what you're going through. And it was almost like this weight lifted off my shoulders because someone knew the exact mode of pain that I was going through. Um, was our stories different? Yes. But that camaraderie of you know, the specific pain that I've gone through was so relieving to me that I was hoping through my story and telling my story that I could provide that same relief to someone else. So talk to me more about the specifics. What is the unique feeling of having a breakup where there was infidelity? Oh, gosh, that is (laughs) so hard to describe. Well, it doesn't sound like it's going to be a walk in the park. (laughs) There are... Several different layers, and I'm pretty sure I brought them up during the story. Yeah. One that I don't think people really talk about is the sort of embarrassment that goes on. Um, uh, Infidelity involves a very intimate part of the relationship. Right. And, you know, there are qualities that are shared even beyond the sexual that are shared with your partner. And to know that someone had shared those also with someone else is very invasive. And so there's this almost, you almost feel like a sort of something has been breached. For one, that's one quality is that sort of there's this quality of like someone has been let into my sort of, there's this almost a sort of sanctum that is you and me and you let someone else into there. Yeah. And you almost feel gross. You can almost like feel it on your skin. But then there's the added quality of knowing that everyone knows your personal business in this sort of way. And with it being we were engaged to be married, there was also that quality of 
knowing that people were going to have to see the retraction, the uh. going from engaged to single on Facebook, the suddenly there was a picture of you and them uh, and a picture of a hand with a ring and suddenly that picture's gone. You almost feel like everyone is watching you and knowing, watching this very intimate pain. Ugh. It sucks. <laughs> yeah. It, it is a violation in a way. It may be a psychological violation. Yeah, that's the best way to put it, yeah. And you know, you have such a good point with social media. <laughs> People are big and proud when it comes to those good moments, but when there's the retraction, it, it tends to happen in silence. There's one moment in your story that also really comes through powerfully, and it's how you can be in the same spaces externally and have the same daily routine externally but you can be having a completely different experience in your internal life yeah and so in your story what i love about it because i'm always looking for a story that's grounded in tyler you know yeah. i want those places <laughs> and i love that your story features tyler public library which mm -hmm. is near and dear to my heart um, i've been a patron since i moved to tyler 14 years ago mm -hmm. um so it features the library where you work, also the Foundry Coffee House, which is just across the street. Yeah. So I love how you paint this picture for us where you can be in those same surroundings, same routine, same people, kind of same backdrop, and you can be walking on air one day and in utter despair the next. Yes. It's so difficult sometimes to go back and imagine that because that was, what, four years now? Mm. Um, I mean, I was a completely different TJ from... The one who told the story is a completely different TJ from the one who told it now. But yeah, it's so interesting the way that like the space remains the same, but it's like the atmosphere within it, or at least your perspective of it completely changes. Right. It's always curious to me, someone who's lived in a one place all their life, like yeah. going through a multitude of experiences, but within that same backdrop. There's like all these different memories stacked on top of the foundry. Yeah. Um, having uh, met a, another partner there and then going through another breakup and then the ways in which that relationship with the place, the foundry has changed. It's sort of interesting how, you know, what is it now? Three relationships, uh, a pandemic, and all manner of things have changed, yeah. but almost the sort of core part of it all, the one thing that kind of remains, the one of the few constants in my life is the Foundry coffee shop. I still get that same stupid, you know, just coffee black every time. Two years have passed since you told your story. Yes. Tell us what has transpired in your life since then. Uh, awkwardly enough, first of all, the I do mention a woman in there who I now, as of, I don't know, may or so have not spoken a word to uh -huh. since because we've now broken up and I'm in another relationship. I'm still working at the library mm -hmm. and um, I still, still love going there to the foundry and uh, drinking coffee and um, still finding other opportunities to tell stories, both mm -hmm. the stories that you enjoy, the personal stories, as well as ghost stories that are less my own. You know, it's really kind of kicked me in the rear to really start being more of a storyteller and tell us more stories. I prefer the sort of folklore-ish ghost stories and things like that. And I've had several opportunities to do that. What parts of your story are still an active part of your life and which ones have kind of run their course? 
when I told the story, I kind of told myself again and again, I'm over her, I'm over it. And people were just like watching it and being like, wow, you have so much incredible pain in this story. And I just kept on telling them, oh, let's, let's acting, please. That was over a year ago, but I was probably still going through some things and probably not fully over what mm-hmm. happened, but maybe not even fully over her. Um, wow. And so, but you thought you were when you I, were telling the story? Yeah. I maybe was like even sort of like lying to myself and saying that I was over it uh-huh. or I was over her. There was a clear delineation of it. It was, I told the story and then I was like, okay, I think I can finally let go of it now. Telling the story was a pivotal moment for the sort of process of getting past what had happened to me. Well, that is always very gratifying for me to hear. I want the stories. Now, it's just kind of a happy byproduct, but I really do want the stories to be helpful in the life of the storyteller. And sometimes it does turn out that it's very cathartic. That point in time in my life, that was the story of my life. I was TJ, the guy who got cheated on. Now that's just a part of my life story. You know, it's just one of many things that has happened to me. The unfortunate thing that hasn't changed is, of course, uh, we'll probably talk about later, which is like ah. my my anxiety. <laughs> TJ, even though we aired your original story from season three, mm-hmm. you have graciously returned as a storyteller for the Tyler Loop when we presented a show called Real Stories, Real Funny. Mm-hmm. It was a show that alternated true personal stories with comedians. Mm-hmm. kind of riffing on those themes. So tell us about that story and how its focus changed from the original. Yeah, and the beautiful irony of my story was that one of the focal points was you asking me to tell the story in a sort of meta way. Yeah. I was just you wanted me to tell this story and I just couldn't. That story's done, even in some way I feel like it may be disrespectful to my my current girlfriend and I was just sort of like Hmm. itchy and feeling very anxious about it. Oh, no. And then very, very anxious about it. And it took me like five minutes to finally get to, can I tell a different story? TJ, this is like, not how I remember this conversation oh, yeah. at all. Oh, yeah. Well, you were perfectly like in control <laughs> and just asked. And I said, sure. Um, <laughs> Maybe you worked all that out before we got on the phone together. Right. And the one of the highlights of that real stories, real funny, was me pacing back and forth and being nervous. What is more in line with the Tyler Loop was sort of what I was talking about earlier, another story about anxiety, because it is a ongoing thing for me. Um, I was, me and my dad, or my, excuse me, my full whole family went to Colorado for vacation, as yeah. we were to do. And me and my dad hiked the Wachita Mountains in Oklahoma in March, and we enjoyed it so much. Just through hiking four or five days, camping in the wilderness, using water filters on on um, springs and everything. And it just was wonderful. Yeah. So we were like, let's do a two-day hike and spend overnight. And we got there and it was fine. But then there were just all these different things that stacked on top of each other. It was really bad weather. Mm. The trail wasn't marked very well. We had used a lot of our water sources and the next water source was three or four miles from where we were currently camped. And it just stacked up on top of each other to the point where I was getting, I don't know if panic attack is the right word, but I was getting very, I guess an anxiety attack is the right word where I had a bit of an anxiety attack and Maybe it doesn't have a conclusion or anything profound, but it 
I was just thinking about it and was thinking about how frustrated I was because there are so many moments when I go out in nature and I go, you know, I'm a burgeoning outdoors person. I really don't have the time or frankly money to be, to go camping, you know, for vast swaths of time. Yeah. But anytime I do camp and I, you know, am without out of cell service or I'm kayaking or something like that, that anxiety that I can feel like right in my jaw just dissipates. Hmm. And so tying back to the invasive feeling and the violating feeling, it was so aggravating and annoying to me to have this place that I was like, you're not supposed to be here. Anxiety be here. I was anxious while in the wild, which is where I'm no longer anxious. Right. So it was a sort of invasive feeling. It's like, what are you, what are you doing here? You're supposed to be back in Tyler, you know, worrying about, you know, problems that the library is having, or if I'm going to be able to afford to, you know, have two cats. What are you doing here? Yeah, because that was your refuge. So as you're telling me this and, I know you're aware this is ongoing. You're super honest in that yeah. real stories, real funny experience telling us that it hasn't all gone away. You know, you had yeah. these wonderful insights in therapy and started doing some mindfulness practices, but there's been no, you know, magic button. My question for you now is what do you hope people are hearing when they hear that? When you're being so honest and vulnerable and telling us you're still dealing with this you're still managing it still popping up what i hope people will hear is first that they're allowed to be honest yeah and to open up to those and just sometimes it can be and i know that they've probably heard this a thousand times and they're probably sick of hearing it because i know that i was but just sometimes the literally that just that first little thing is just saying the words i think i have I think not a problem, but I think that there's something that needs to, I need to work on. I think I may be anxious. I think I may have depression. I think I may have, you know, suicidality or something like that. If they can just, yeah. if honestly, you know, if they can make that first step of just saying it and being honest, preferably don't do it to, to you know, the guy behind the counter at the library. That's not my job. One thing that I love about my generation and then also the generation that precedes me, the Zoomers, uh-huh. they're very honest. And there's this sort of, um, especially here in Texas and in the South, there is this sort of like genteelness that is very nice and good. Um, but it also with it comes a deep layer of artifice that hides a lot of issues including internal personal issues. And if sometimes we can get over that sort of artifice and just be like, I, I'm so sorry, I can't come. I am anxious out of my mind, mm. you know, and just right. be real. Um, I hope that that's the first, that's one that they can get from this whole conversation. Yeah. It's just, if you're anxious, just say it. <laughs> I love that. Even though I love the polite Southern manners, it does have its limitations too, right? Hey, thing I like to quote a lot of times from a musical that I love very much into the woods is nice is different than good. Is there anything else coming up important for you to share with our audience? Uh, Read a banned book, people. Read a banned book. Support your local library and 
get a library card if you can. Absolutely read banned books. It's very important that we be able to give people full access to things, even if that includes things that maybe you don't like. There are many books that I don't like up there um, that I will gladly check out to people um, who have different opinions and thoughts and ideas from me. And I will allow those books to exist, even though I wouldn't touch them with a 40-foot pole. Um, we have to have these things in here because that is what makes for a good democracy. And whenever you try to, even with good intentions, limit something, you are creating a barrier which leads to a very scary situation. Go find something, maybe something that makes you a little uncomfortable and read it. <laughs> Sorry. You got me on a rant. <laughs> That's great. TJ, it's a delight to see you again and to, mm -hmm. to hear more about your story. Thank you for having me. The Out of the Loop podcast was recorded at the Innovation Pipeline in downtown Tyler with technical support from Neil Katz and Leah Wansley. Music is provided by the Tyler, Texas duo Gypsum and the Travelers. Out of the Loop is a production of The Tyler Loop, a nonprofit news and culture magazine and storytelling platform for Tyler and East Texas. We run on memberships from informed, engaged residents like you who value in-depth, inclusive reporting. Check us out at thetylerloop.com. Mm -hmm.